You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick old trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble on the drum, beat out old trouble on the drum, and kick old trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum, beat me that rhythm on the drum, beat me that rhythm on the drum, and kick old trouble out the door. Kick him out the door, kick him out the door, kick him out the door, kick him out the door. Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's right, we are live. The program is podcast. You can access it by going to 3cr.org.au, the world's greatest producer who has her own business card. 3CR, 3CR Radical Australia business card. I've been here 45 years. I don't have a business card Kelly Whitworth. Only the special people get one. And I've never had a key to the door. So what's going on here? Is this is this a coup by the young ones? only the special people get those things. Are you a special people or do you have special needs that you need to have a business <laughs> Don't card? Don't be like because that. You, because you can't remember your name. Don't be like that. Look, anyway, get on with it, will you? Look, Kelly, before we... Someone else more important is in the studio than you. It's not me either. <laughs> We've got a guest, have we? We have a wonderful guest. Well, he's not, no, he's not a guest. He's, he's a 3CR. Well, that's true. Icon. is an ornament. Icon. Icon. How would you like to introduce yourself, youngster? Oh, look, what a question. <laughs> do, do you want a, a, yeah, a real... Uh, yeah. Stiff in opinions, always in the wrong, was everything by starts and nothing long, and in the course of one revolving moon was chemist, fiddler, statesman and buffoon. Which are you today? Buffoon. <laughs> buffoon. Well, in keeping with the with the program, buffoon will do it. I see, think. See, I've got I've got a big problem, David. You're in a you're a free Sarah ornament. You host your own program. It's like it's like having a chat with an equal. So so what am I doing here? <laughs> well, I think the listeners. We've got six of them. <laughs> At last count. Six paid ones. Well, Kelly, Kelly's listening and you're listening. <laughs> yes, Anybody right. else? <laughs> yeah, well, I hope you're listening. <laughs> now, David, is Joe. it McLean, McLean, and what is it in Gaelic? I don't really know what it's in Gaelic, but it's, it's McLean. McLean. And I think somewhere along the line they took out um, the MAC when they were transported from... Uh, the Isle of Mull in Scotland, but it's meant to be pronounced McLean. Um, but we're from the bastard line of McLean's. The um, the illegitimate son was given the estates of Ardgar by the um, the chieftain or the the, the laird of the, the laird. Isles. The laird of the Isles, yes, uh, provided he'd 
dispatched the McMasters, which he promptly did, and threw uh, them into the lake. Uh-huh. Aye. Uh-huh. And when did all this happen? Oh, <laughs> too far ago to remember, laddie. Uh, there's, there's, you haven't got to, so why, we ha- why were you deported? Why was your actually, ancestry deported from the Isle actually, of Mull? he wasn't deported. Peter McLean mm. came out um, and brought one of the first prefabricated houses, corrugated iron, and now, set it up. Uh, corrugated iron's a Scottish now, invention. Now, David, 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 look. You know your family history. I may not be interested, but there are a lot of people there who are... The Scots are interested, man. <laughs> That's oh, what I'm saying. We've got no. one Scottish listener. What year did this Peter McClake... no idea. What? It'd have to be... Um, uh, now, well, it would have been in the 1800s when Peter McLean came yeah, out, yeah. but the dispatching uh, of the McMasters, that would have gone back centuries, I guess. Centuries, right? yeah. yeah. And you mean dispatching you... Um, you dug holes for them. And no, that threw them in the lake. You already uh, had a sort of uh, right. cavity, but it was okay. filled with water. Yeah. Yeah. And which side of the family is this? The bastard line. Yeah, but which side? Mother, father? Uh, the father. Well, how the about your side. mother? She's got a more so- delicate... Sawyer. Um, and now, uh, interestingly, um, the Sawyer dairies were in Box Hill. Mm. And I lived in Box Hill at one stage, and there was a very old gentleman living down the end of the road, and we had a conversation one day. Turns out he remembered the Sawyer Dairies because the Sawyer Dairies were famous for leaving milk on the doorstep of those families uh, in need. They didn't let a child go without milk. This is not good. (laughs) <laughs> this is not good. So where did the Sawyer family originate from? Uh, Lancashire. Ah, right. So, yeah, so, it's, it's, so the English looked after the poor and the Scottish <laughs> Just exported Just dispatched them. everybody. Yes, yeah. So what year were you born, David? Oh, Come on. Really? Yes. Really? People they... need to know. No, they don't. Yes, they I'm do. I'm old enough to have done it before and young enough to do it again. Look, I'll trick last week's guest into telling me her age with some... Astute questioning. Well, it, I don't want to actually right. do any astute questioning. questioning you, you, not not in not in the in the mood to give appropriate no, questions. No, no. Ah. Just just tell us the bloody year. Nineteen fifty nine. Fifty nine. So you're a youngster. You're a virtual uh, youngster. Well, I'm, I'm over the hill. So I'm, you missed you missed Her Majesty's first visit to Australia, didn't you? Aye, yes. Mm. And you remember like her that. second visit? Yeah, I, so, I can remember uh, tra- being transported. There we go again. Yes. Down to the local. Um, oval, and we were meant to wave flags when somebody went by. That was when I was in primary school, I think, mm-hmm. all those years ago. Yeah. Did you wave which flag? The British flag or the British Australian flag? Now, that's a good question. Um, uh, look, I don't know what we were given, probably the, the British Australian mm-hmm. one. Yeah. yeah. So you're one of those nice little boys that used to get up for God Save the Queen? God Save the Queen and uh, mm. all of those sorts of things. Mm. So very conservative. Mm. Uh, Sort of meat and two veg upbringing. What happened to the third veg? It should be meat and three veg if you're a real Australian. No, but if you go back far enough in time, it was only two veg. I mean, my parents, or well, my mother, didn't really have that. Well, we, you, had, you had a bloody dairy. Obviously, you could have grown some veg, veg with all that cow manure. Yeah. We also had the PWMU cookbook. Did you? Yeah. Tell us about that. The P- Presbyterian Women's Mission Union. And the book was – my mother gave me a copy of the book when I left mm, home. Mm. Um, it told you how to boil water. It was brilliant, right. you know, all the basics, you know. Yes, yes. It, it's been taken over commercially now and, and produced, yeah, but it used yeah. to be produced by 
the Presbyterian yeah. Women's Mission Union to raise funds for did it, missionary projects. Did it have an appendix on the missionary position? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> given its ecclesiastical uh, background, I don't think so. You don't no. think uh, so, right? Uh, yeah. All right. Just, just wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect that. <laughs> I assume. I assume your parents are both no longer with us. You assume incorrectly. Both with us? No, my dad's ninety-eight mm-hmm. and still going. My mum passed away. Way yeah 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 seven or eight years ago. Right, cancer. Yeah, mm-hmm. but ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. Going strong. Yes, but not always in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, so you're one of these poor middle-aged chappies mm. who's got an elderly parent to look after. Mm. Mm. It's very difficult, very hard. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> you don't live in the same house? No. All right, no. I could see. Okay. No. All right, now obviously you're a brilliant primary school student. No. Why not? I mean, with, with that pedigree, you should have... Done your three R's. Well, I did, did the basics of three R's. I don't think I knew what education was back then. We just, you know, mm-hmm. traipsed around from yeah. school to school and things well, like well, that. Well, I, I had 100 kids in my class. That was 1957, I think, or 56. We, we had about 40. Oh, yeah, things have improved in your yeah, time. Oh, yeah. Back in my day. day exactly. Back in my day. Yeah. 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 And the strap and the, and the old razor strop for whacking kids across the, yeah, the fingers if they misbehaved. And the cane. And the cane. And the cane. Yeah. I yeah. like the cane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it created a lot of sadomasochism in later life, I think, the cane. <laughs> yes, yeah, so people got a bit confused. So we're, we're experiencing this sadomasochism now, well, that, I think. Yeah. That, that's why I ask you the uh, the year you were born, because to see whether we had similar well, it, experiences. It does know? actually, yeah, mm. place one in, in yep. perspective that, Background that knowledge of of what we've been through and, yeah. and what's happened yeah. exactly and why we are why <laughs> we are <laughs> the way we are and I can see people cringing <laughs> in our age bracket. These are the type of things you don't discuss publicly. Ah, did yes. you? Did you? We were boys at school together, yes. or at least I was. But anyway. <laughs> Did your mother always tell you to wear clean underpants in case you got knocked and a over? Clean, and a clean handkerchief as in well. In case you got over, knocked yeah. over by a car. That, basically. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And, and the call from the back door, dinner time, come on in now, dinner time. You wouldn't be allowed to go out and play on the on the streets today, but oh, no. you know, there was that yeah. that cry from the back door, dinner time, come on in. I think, I think you're expected to leave home in the morning on the weekend <laughs> and come home <laughs> late at night yeah. because... Just get out of there, yeah. Exactly, yeah, because, yeah. Uh, you know, the houses were small, there wasn't much privacy, mm. and if you came home early, you may have got a shock. Now, secondary college, where did you go? Uh, I actually went uh, to Luther College. Luther? Luther yeah. College, and then mm. I went to Caulfield Grammar. Mm. But the reason I went there, uh, my father's clergyman, or was. Was a clergyman, yes. So... Uh, what, what religious persuasion? Uh, Christian. Yeah, but what what what, <laughs> what Christ- denomination? I think is yeah. what you're looking Christian, for. Christian, right? there's millions of Christians. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a persuasion. Um, but denomination. He started off Presbyterian and yes. then became uniting. Mm. Um, so he's one of the weak-willed ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you get the uniting church, which is the supermarket of religion. Exactly, and, and you know they they just can't and, stand on their. But the Presbyterians have gone ultra conservative. That's right. Brizzies were the last ones to try somebody for heresy. 
Yes. Melbourne. Yes. It's yes. unbelievable. But that basically meant mm. I could go to one of those schools uh, mm. at a third of the price or thereabouts. Third of the price. Third of the price. So discount for a clergyman's Discounts son. for a clergyman's son. I mm. nearly ended up going to Scotch College, believe it or not. But what, what happened? Well, Dad worked out that the extras would have cost <laughs> just as much. So, um, yeah, that and so when Dad got the parish at uh, Caulfield, I ended up going to Caulfield Grammar. Mm-hmm. But the story I always tell there is the kids were saying, oh, you know, the tiles around my swimming pool are better than the tiles around your swimming pool. And I'm going, what's, what's a swimming, swimming pool? Or <laughs> oh, what's a swimming pool? Yeah, yeah. So what was it like being a clergyman's son in school? Oh, well, for some strange reason, we were meant to know things or behave. Now, I once got a job, um, a Saturday morning job. Oh, you're, you're the minister's son. You, mm. Would you like a, a Saturday job? They thought I'd be honest for some strange reason. Mm. Um, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. This isn't the ABC, mate. Uh-huh. You're supposed to answer the question. Mm. And the question was, was it, what was the expected of a minister's son in high school? Um. Not that much, really. Um, I, I think did there, anybody, was, well, there did, was a lack of understanding amongst mm. the kids in terms of... Um, I was in a, we did a, a cycle touring thing one year and I'd organised... This was a, a week-long cycling trip with the school, uh, kids with this group, and we ended up dossing down in a church hall and I'd organised that through my father and it's, you know bedding down for the night and this kid lying next to me says... Yeah, how did we come to be here? And I said, well, I, I organised it through my father. My father's a minister. And this kid looks at me and he says, I didn't know ministers were allowed to have kids. <laughs> I think I think he sneaked in for the back door. I think he was one of those micks, you know. Yeah. He must have been a mick. I yeah, reckon. well, it was an Anglican school I went yeah. to. So well, you could have to- mick's doing it? You, yeah. you could have told him you were from the bastard line. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and yeah. that would have solved his questions. But, so, you know. Oh, how about the t- I'm more interested in the teachers, you know. Here they are. They know you're the minister's son. It's the local minister. Yeah. How do they treat you? Um, were you a little bit of a no, mummy's boy in the school? No, not, not really. Mm. Um, I mean, you were... You weren't part of the community, as in that that notion of the minister being the centre of the, the local community. Well, when you're in the suburbs, the, the community is vast and teachers are coming in from all over the places. So not really. No, no, no. No, no. no there wasn't that much. So did you graduate? Did I graduate? Mm. I think I managed to. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. did you uh, follow a trade or went to one of those university places, that I, sandstone university. I went to Monash Uni. Oh, that was not sandstone. That what happened? Sandstone. Come on. What, <laughs> I mean, what happened? You what? You would have graduated in the mid-70s, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 And you missed the draft. And the Missed the draft. I can remember um, mum being worried at one stage that um, her son-in-law and then her um, boys would all be drafted, but they didn't question the appropriateness of the draft. They just, um, but that was, I can remember mum having that concern. Um, but yeah, I went went to uni. My parents didn't quite understand why I went to uni, and mm. nor did I, really, but uh, it well, was... Well, you could. You could. Well, it was I, a bit Lemira. You could. It was free education. Why was, wouldn't you go to uni? Exactly. I got a free education. I yeah. keep telling that uh, mm. today, but... Uh, um, my trade uh, as a teacher mm. meant, you know, school kids telling them, hey, I've got a free education. They look at me, they can't understand it, you no, know, no. sort of thing. And it was our radical brothers and sisters who changed it all yeah. during the Hawke-Keating era. 
Yeah. yeah, it was nice. Nice to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to go. No. Uh, otherwise, to mm. uni. Um, and I I didn't know how to study back then. Um, it was a foreign environment, but it opened up so many doors. Uh, well, and I'm talking about cultural doors. Um, I mean, I got involved in uh, the theatre at university uh, I got involved in um, the Choral Society uh, there, singing. Um, there were all sorts of things. Um, and, well, literature and all, you know, this whole world just sort of opened up or was there to be explored. Mm. And that's basically now informed the rest of my life yes. in that regard. I think what people forget is that uh, in those that period, it was a, it was a, a golden period because we didn't have continuous assessments <laughs> and assignments. We just had an exam at the end of the year, and if you failed, you went off into the ether or repeated. And if you didn't fail, you went on to the next year. It was just that's why you had all this free time to pursue well, all these to explore and discover, and yeah. you, you learn more by mm. being involved mm. in all of these other avenues. Yeah. Today, the kids are stuffed. Um, I mean, for my sins, I do a bit of tutoring now. And, you know, they come to me with an assignment. I, I, I need help on, on this. Okay, well, we can start by looking at, go away, can you come back with the first component of that? By the next week, they've come with another assessment task. And I said, well, we haven't finished the first task yet. We need to break it down so you can see what you... No, no, I've got this next assessment task to do. And you think, well, what are you learning? Yeah, you know, and and this is how they're being extruded now through the system. It's don't get me started on education. Well, that's the whole point. I want to get you started on because we're you want to get me started on education. We'll get you started because we're about to find out why you fell into teaching. What you couldn't get another job? Basically, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't make you much of a teacher, really. No, no. Um, yeah, I finished finished uni, so yeah. an undergraduate degree, mm. and went overseas with a pack on my back, wandered around. Where did you wander around? Anywhere interesting? Scotland. Scotland. <laughs> you didn't go to the Isle of Mole, did you? Uh, well, it was closed for winter. It was when closed. I've, I've since been back. Uh, but basically the Grand Tour. So um, France uh, had somebody I knew in uh, Holland. Uh, down through across the Alps, Italy, uh, um, yeah. then did did Spain, and and so it was the European Grand Tour exactly in, in my time. Yeah, and it was it, different to our time. You know, five or six years previously, we trek across Asia to Europe. You took the easy yeah, way. You flew there. there, and a lot of a lot of the kids today do Asia <laughs> yes, now. Yeah. You know, but you know, I had to go back and discover my roots and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, why? That's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Has it really made you a better human being or a different human being to discover that your ancestors were mass murderers? <laughs> I knew that before I left, you know. We're all murderers in a way. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well... Oh, there's, there's nothing wrong with my ancestors were mass murderers, so don't worry about it. We've all, we've all got it. Bloody in Europeans, yeah. 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 So when I came back, what do I do with myself? I had to actually make a living. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, it became... Um, Teaching. Free, free again? Or did you have to pay? Free. Yes. yes, I got free. And so when I started teaching, I then did um, further study because even though Goff had been thrown out, they were offering um, 
sort of spaces for those in the nursing fraternity and those in the teaching fraternity. Mm-hmm. So I went back and did a did a master's in education then as well. So so well, you did a master's and you hadn't even actually taught at a school yet. No, no, no. I, I taught. Oh, right. I, was, okay. I was teaching, teaching at the right. time, and then mm-hmm. so I did. Yeah, I, don't, I just want to did it, know, did it part really... time yeah. uh, while I was teaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what does the masters gain you in education? A fancy, fancy gown. Um, I, I think you can wear a different gown or mm. put something mm. on your mortarboard. I don't know. Does it give you more money at school? No, no. no well, you don't get rewarded. No, you, you, you're talking about <laughs> rewards in education. What rock have you been living under? You know? Well, I was just checking. You're just checking. Because they all tell me that teachers have the most wonderful life in he's, the universe. He's, One of my, he's setting me up now, isn't he? he no, 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 no. You no. sit in your One face. of my sisters is a teacher, oh, retired yeah. like you now, right. or semi-retired, and I can assure you it is not the most wonderful life in the universe. It's Especially when the getting, brats don't want to learn. Well, yeah, it's getting harder. Mm. Um, and um, if you really want to get me started... Yeah, I want to get you started. It's, education in Victoria is a contradiction. So when the VCE came in... Uh, and you would have read in the papers not so long ago... Oh, I don't read them anymore. Don't so. read them anymore. <laughs> Uh, this notion of uh, people doing an unscored VCE. Unscored. Unscored VCE. So you don't actually have to do the VCE to get A, B, C, D, E. All right. Um, Or or an ATAR score. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? What? That was how the VCE was first conceived. Without, you got an S or an N. Of course, this was such a radical change to thinking that it didn't survive long and then Jeff got in um, and reshaped it all and sent it back no, 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 the other said, way. You said Jeff got in and Jeffed it all. Jeffed it all. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Jeffed right. it in a jiffy. Yeah. yeah. And and so now, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the original English exam under the VCE was one essay in two hours. Now it's back to what it was before uh, when we we had the old HSC. There, there are actually three essays to be done in three hours, which is what was originally uh, in the in the HSC. But you've also now got all the internal assessment, which came in uh, because kids were being assessed as they progressed. So you've got teachers running an internal system and the external system simultaneously. You've got two systems running parallel that don't actually converge. And so this is part of the reason for the overload on mm. teachers. There's a contradiction. Um, the other thing is the um, you know, they're now offering incentives for people to take up teaching. We'll give you, you know, ten thousand bucks if you sign on the dotted line. Mm. That's an upfront bonus. Okay, a signing on fee, good idea. But the problem is a lot of teachers leave between after three to five years. So they're not actually addressing the problem, which is teacher retention. Meanwhile, they're giving teachers more and more work to do. The VIT came in, Victorian Institute of Teaching, but you've got to prove you're a good teacher. So there's more paperwork. Mm. Jeff, here we go, introduced the contract system. 
Nah, the contract system is so wonderful. But it makes it more and, and agile. This oh, is a great... That's right. Well, it means you can rent all your life. Yes. And that's and, what I love about it. And basically, we, we can look at things like productivity mm. and, and accountability mm. in education. And so there's the poor bloody teacher... Uh, having to it has a twelve month contract. Well, you know, come six months in, mm. they're starting to have to look for another job. Stuff the students. They, you know, we've got to work on whether we've got a future. Uh, they can't build a career, mm. um, and you know, they could be out on their ear. But also, then, in terms of education, basically, the things you remember about education are not the essays you wrote, but the teacher who inspired you. And a teacher gets to know the system or mm. students after six years at least, minimum, because you're watching somebody progress through the system. And little Joe Toscano going through, we knew what he was like in year seven. We can understand why he's behaving like this in year nine. But hey, we know what to give him to get the best out of him in year 12 because we've followed his progression. But no, I'm not going to worry about Joe. I've got to actually prepare my CV because I've got to try and get the next contract for the next 12 months Mm. at some other institution. So that continuity is gone from the system, that stability in the system, which is important to education. Not results. It's give the foundation teachers can provide. So if you put the emphasis on the teacher and not on the assessment, that will pay dividends. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of what you just said is correct. You know, in the good old days, you spelt a word wrong, you'd have to write it a hundred times. <laughs> Now, I spe- in chalk on the blackboard. Yeah, come on. Well, not on the blackboard. We did you know. whiteboard now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd pad, pad. You know, you, you hand do it on your iPad. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Just yeah. pencil, pad. Right. And I spelt the word individual wrong. Right. And so I did it a hundred times, but I spelt it exactly the same way. <laughs> and the teacher looks at me, and I remember this. He looks at me. He says, "Joe, that's why." I teach. I want you to understand, you know, that you've made a mistake and you need to correct it. And I've never lost, I've never forgotten that lesson that if you make a mistake, you do the best you can to correct that mistake, whether it's with another human being, whether it's with authority, whatever it is. And that was a lesson that. That teacher taught me, who had taught me for a number of years. But computers yeah. have spell checkers on them now. So really? We don't have to worry about oh, that. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, what's, a, what's a computer, David? <laughs> How long did you last in education? Oh, over 30 years. 30 years, right. Or more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I ended up getting screwed. Um, what do you mean? You're supposed to have a wonderful superannuation. Uh, well, no, financially I'm okay yeah. uh, in that regard. But in terms of... Um, Here's my sad sob story, and I used to... Now look, there's nothing wrong with it. We all have sad sob but stories. But I, I need a bottle of red wine to be able to tell it. Anyway, well, I'll give, you, I'll give you one after. <laughs> go, Kelly, go down the street get a bottle of red wine. But basically, I was made redundant. I was a head of English. What? Yeah. You were the head of English? I was the head of English. I was made... Where? where what school? Oh, well, this you're head of telling. English. Yeah. How, how long have you been head of English for? I, I'd been there for five years yeah. as a head of English. New yeah. bloke came in, all of about 38, thought he knew everything. Right, right. And he restructured. 
Ah, that's the way you get rid of people. You're exactly. And so he got rid of all of the departments. So mm. I wasn't the only one. Mm. Uh, and he created three super faculties. Mm. So the English faculty was going to be part of the humanities. Really? Faculty. That's very original. Oh, yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> um, within six months after I left, they were advertising for an assistant head of humanities simply to run English. And the board realised their mistake some three years in and got shafted the guy and got was rid of him. a private school? It was a private school. Yep. And by that time, you know, 50, 60 staff had already been churned through. Mm. Um, but when I, in my little discussion with this bloke, um, I sort of pointed out, well, I, I'm chairing the heads of English and independent schools in Victoria at the time and said, you know, a lot of the communication comes through us. They want our opinion. We're at the forefront. So, we, we, you know, this is an advantage for the school to know what they're planning. When they're, oh, no, This is my vision for English was the phrase I got. My about. vision. Yeah. He was a uh, biology teacher. Uh, right. um, and, you know, this, uh, well, the board hadn't done its job and done its due diligence, but. That's nothing new. Think, no, of, well, think, think of Essendon yeah. um, and all of these sorts of things. Um, similar background for this uh, actual person. person. Uh, anyway, and I'm not talking you're not, banking either. And you're not talking denominations, obviously. <laughs> you're talking about persuasion. <laughs> nah, really yeah, persuasion. Well, that is a persuasion, <laughs> what he was into. And, um, yeah, and so you look at that and they're bringing these corporate strategies. Napthine, in his day... Um, I went on strike as a teacher once. Um, An independent and head of department went on strike. Because Napthine wanted to introduce words like productivity and accountability mm. in education. So what are you doing so that we can then justify giving extra money to education? Education doesn't need any justification. It is because it is. Um, but no, the politicians were bringing in business speak and it doesn't have any place if you want productivity okay um the, w one of the arguments that was used is fine you know doc Apay, do whatever but tell us exactly what our hours are education runs on goodwill think of going actually the deputy head of the um department of education public service once said oh you know a, a, a Teachers' hours don't count if they're on camp and not on duty. And, you know, you felt like saying, well, hang on a minute, you know. Yeah. Little Joe Toscana comes up to you saying, well, please, sir, I've broken my arm. Oh, sorry, son. Yeah, I'm not I'm on, on duty. duty. Go yeah, and find yeah. somebody who cares. Yeah, that's know, right. When, when you're on a camp, it's 24-7. It's, you know, you're full. No, no, that, no. So you need to acknowledge teachers and what they're doing. Take away. Well, find the, the correct form of discourse imposing these political terms, business terms, on education doesn't fit. Um, principals coming into schools these days, they they go to screw it up education 101 and one of the strategies is, um, you know, putting uh, middle management on contract. Yep. That way, yep. you know, we, yep. we can we can move them around and, and they're, they're you re us. You realise, David, there is a federally funded institution in this country which you're familiar with which has taken every leaf out of that book the royal australian broadcasting corporation <laughs> they have <laughs> contracts <laughs> middle managed contract yeah. 
a uh, board that does uh, give uh, a shit. Uh, it's all the same. Uh, same uh, thing. Thank uh, God for three C. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In the lead-up to the state election, join the Homes Not Prisons campaign for street theatre, speeches from people with a lived experience of criminalisation and a rally demanding investment in Aboriginal community-controlled public housing for criminalised women and their families. 4pm on Friday 14th of October at Parliament Steps in Nam, Melbourne. Keep the pressure on. Fund communities, not prisons and police. Friday 14 October, 4pm, Parliament Steps. Homes Not Prisons is a 3CR supporter. Movement Theatre is a disability-led physical theatre company. Their fringe production, Still Wanna Be a Rabbit, is directed by Yumi Umamari and starts on Thursday the 6th of October and goes through till Sunday the 9th of October. Weave Movement Theatre can finally stage their show after being locked down four times over two pandemic years. The work moves between the surreal and absurd, humorously reversing perceptions of difference with film, installation and live physical performance, mischief and meaning. For details and tickets, go to melbournefringe.com.au. Weave Movement Theatre is a 3CR supporter. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run. You're listening to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Now, now, obviously, most people have recognised your voice now. Mm. Well, the few that listen to your program. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we've got seven. You've got six. We've got seven. Oh, you'd have seven thousand. I, I once took Philip Adams on. I interviewed Did Philip you? Adams yeah, yeah. and and said, "Well, you know, we're, we're your direct rival. Mm. You know, you've got a little radio program. Ours is even littler." <laughs> well, get him back. Let's get him back. So, what program do you do at Three CR? Published or not? Uh, Sam, when did you first walk into Three CR? Uh, I've lost count of the years, seven or eight years ago. It's probably been one of the more consistent things I've done Mm -hmm. uh, for quite some time. Um, And, um, yeah, Jan invited me. Not JB. Jan Goldsmith. Oh, JS. JG. JG Goldsmith. (laughs) What? Now, about your education and the That's mistakes you learnt. So like I said. Here's a pen. Here's a paper. Jake I never Gold. took notice. Oh, the teacher no, told me. I told you. I didn't take notice. <laughs> I did say I learnt, but I didn't learn. A... While he's writing that out a hundred yeah, times, times, I'll talk to you, Kelly. You yeah, know. Kelly's just laughing at him. I've seen these two old farts carry on. So, when did you, why'd you, so she's, why did she invite you? Um, because I wrote a book. What was the book? Uh, Finding Kobe which was about my niece's um, challenge with adolescent depression. Right. And so um, I tried writing that book and involved her um, as a way of perhaps addressing um, the the challenges she was facing. 
Um, and Jan interviewed me, and a couple of weeks later, um, she said, oh, would you be interested in hosting the show with me? I said, yes. Right. And so I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, really? Right. But tell us about the book. Um, okay, my niece was diagnosed. She was 14 at the time. And when you look at it, adolescent depression, the average uh, onset age of depression in the 50s and 60s was 30 or older. Today, it's 14 years or younger. And because of my background with education, um, you get people involved and, and writing their own story as a way of perhaps facilitating their development or awareness. Um and so, yeah, that was self-published and right. such like. Uh, mm-hmm. But there were other challenges she was facing in the family situation. And to give her some sort of agency, perhaps, in her own um, mm. life. Do you think it um, brought new insight into the problem? Yes, for some. No, for others. Um I learnt a lot from the process uh, and a lot about depression. I think she appreciated a lot about, um, as part of her journey, um, yeah, so um, it, yeah, it sort of goes back to my belief in in writing and and those sorts of things and what it can provide. Um, So, yes, she said it had helped. Which was was reassuring. She gave me access to the journals she was keeping, which mm-hmm. I was quite privileged. Well, yes, for uh, a teenage, young teenage yeah. girl to do that—that's yeah. that's extraordinary. Well, I was a boring yeah. old fart then. I'm uh, you know, <laughs> same boring old fart I am now, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. that's that's extraordinary. Yeah. And have you written anything else? I mean, I mean, Ooh, tell us, yeah. tell us some interesting ones. Well, um, look, don't look we, at the age. You got yeah, the, no, that, no, that, no. That's the previous program. No, no, no. no they, their program is so boring. They've got to read the newspaper when they play music. I, I wrote articles for the age. And what did you write? Well, one of the first ones I wrote happens to be on education. Oh. Back in the old days when there was the... When, when people, editors were all right and they allowed yeah. people for a different opinion to the, actually appear. The yeah. funny thing was yeah. I wrote an article yeah. about um, religion in schools, mm. as in the argy-bargy that was going on at the time. You had the tub-thumpers sort of saying, we've got to have religion. The secularists saying, no, 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 we, you know, church, state, keep them separate. And I wrote an article from the point of view of a literature teacher and I end up having to teach religion in English. And just, you know, you get the line, here we go. We're, we're going to, I'm going to, this is a test for both of you and you'll be marked at it. <laughs> All right, Kelly, you can answer um, first. So here, I can... here we go. You, <laughs> you get Macbeth and Banquo, they were going to bathe in reeking wounds or memorise another Golgotha. What's Golgotha? Um, is that a like a god or a monster? No, Golgotha. Golgotha. Is it an incense of some type? No, Golgotha was where Christ was crucified. Well, it just shows you how little we know. Yeah. So, in order to appreciate, well, you just asked two atheists. <laughs> <laughs> That's no excuse. That's what you said in your article. No, no, no. Well, basically, whether you believe or not, it's a cultural touchstone. So Shakespeare in his day, to an illiterate public, uh, they would have understood the reference. But from a teacher's, teacher's point of view, okay, you, you strum that chord 
And Golgotha raises notions of sacrifice, duty, forgiveness. And so you get in literature uh, a, a line imbued with all of this depth of meaning. The kids today don't have it. So why are we giving them these books if we don't want them to understand? And in order to understand, they need that cultural referencing to take place. You can make the same argument for mythology as well. But I wrote that article Mm. and the editor rang me up and said, can we use it? I can't pay you for it. And I said, yeah, go for it. Not a worry. Mm. And the funny thing was then I kept writing articles. This bloke then uh, was probably made redundant, poor old newspapers. So I kept throwing articles in, Mm. hither and yon, getting paid for them. This is okay. In the education section of the age. Guess what? Guess what? You got made redundant? Well, in a way, no, no more education <laughs> section in yeah, the age. They've yeah. cut it back, cut yeah, it back, yeah, cut yeah, it back. Yes. But hey, I was getting paid for what I was yeah, writing. Yeah. What a thrill. And the last article I had in the age was only, uh, well, when did Neighbours end? Mm. Oh, I, how would I know? How would you know? I was on Neighbours. Were you? Centuries ago. What were you, the teacher? No. Um, <laughs> I was all sorts of things. I wrote an article saying I wasn't invited back to reprise any of my 50-worders. Oh. What you get as an actor is a 50-worder. Is and you go on, and it could be one word to 50. And um, basically, they can't use you again for another year uh, because they don't want your face to be remembered. Um, but I'm, uh, here we go. All the articles were about, you know, these superstars being invited back. And I was saying, well, hang on a minute. You know, I, I wasn't invited back to a reprise, you know, all the roles I played over yeah. a time. And then you look at all of the others that kept that industry going. And as I put it, the the gaffers, uh, the gophers, and what was the other G word? The grips, the gaffer, the gopher, the, grip. the grips. All of those who who made the industry and, and had employment and were involved what about them? You know, there was this whole industry that kept neighbours going, and it was a hoot. You know, seeing these poor actors rugged up in the middle of winter on the um, Channel Ten lot out in Nunawading, and all of a sudden, you know, camera lights, action. Sure. They'd throw off their overcoats. Yes. Here they were in shorts and singlet in the middle of winter, <laughs> thinking it was summer. You know, know. it was great. Look, you can always trick the English. It's okay <laughs> as long as the lighting's good. It so, doesn't matter. You know, that was um, what I got, uh, I, you know, getting paid for what I was writing. That was mm. nice. Well, there uh, must be a letdown. You come to 3 and you do it as a volunteer. Well, basically, I get free books, mate. You this get free is, books? Uh, yeah. What do you mean? Um, publishers send me books. What? We talk well, to excuse the authors. Me, excuse me. Tell me about this program. They send you free books. Maybe I should free, be on it. Free books. Yeah. Basically, publishers uh, and the publicists send yes. us books. Uh-huh. Uh, can you interview our author, Mm -hmm. Uh, we get um, sort of self-published people sending Mm -hmm. books or wanting to know. So we're part of that sort of chain and and we get all sorts of books and we get to to interview all sorts of really interesting people. Obviously, you know the publishing game. Didn't a self-published book just get listed on the Miles Franklin shortlist or was it somewhere else? No, Yeah, um, I'm just trying to think. There have been a number Mm. of really successful self-published books. One of the interesting ones was somebody who did it digitally online and it was an alternative fantasy um, for the gay and lesbian community. Uh, Well, for every reader, really, Mm. but it turned uh, the genre on its head a little 
uh, in the way it portrayed these characters. And it was so successful that she got a contract with an established publishing house who wouldn't have touched it otherwise, no. but she'd proved herself and the market mm. and therefore the publishing house wanted a slice of the pie, so I gave her a contract. Mm. So these sorts of things. So there have been a number of really good ones come through. Yes, there was, and I'm just trying to think of what it was for the, for the Miles Franklin. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's – oh, look, there are a lot of people trying to get – in and um, yeah, it. Uh, what do you think of these writers' schools? Do you think you're born with it, and you need a bit of experience, or you can go to school and write a book? Um, I think you've got to have an element of natural talent. I think it needs to be disciplined at times, or being able to get suggestions and ideas. There are people that are naturally gifted, um, and the like, and you can see it when you teach in schools. There are those with a flair for writing who hear a word or know how to phrase something or can put a line together. And also you've got to realise that you can see when a line doesn't work so you know you may have to come back to it. But it's there is a, a natural talent. But, you know, like a musician or anybody like that, you've got to practice it to make it, make I've, it happen. I've got an interesting question. I think it's interesting. Um, so with writing, is it more of a left... Left, left brain or right brain skill? Like, is it is it someone that's good with um, kind of concepts and imagination and linking those things, or is it someone that's good at more the the logic of words and the grammar and the technical aspect? Well, um, you don't actually have to have grammar to write, um, and that's right. you don't need to draw to paint. <laughs> yeah, I just interviewed Chris Flynn the other day and one of the stories in his uh, collection of short stories the character doesn't know grammar and they had it was a challenging time to get that story included because there, it was just a stream of consciousness type running uh, and some of the paragraphs just ended abruptly uh, in mid-sentence sort of thing but that was the character and this character had not been taught and so it was conveyed but Chris knows his craft and so he was experimenting with form as I tell the kids I tutor these days you know learn to write correctly and then we can break the rules um Left and right brain, which is which? Which is the creative? Which is left the... is the creative, right is the logical, analytical. Mm. You, you need a bit of both because in many ways there's a structure behind writing to hold something together. Within that, you've got ideas and the way those ideas are expressed and the associations you make. Um, mm. So it's a bit of both and, and also then a range of intelligences. Um, I mean, being able to hear a word, and it's an oral intelligence, and hear as you write, uh, and things like this. So, yeah, uh, an emotional intelligence to able be able to identify with people's feelings and ideas. Yeah, yeah it's like multi-level. There's a lot of things going on in yeah. writing, isn't there? Yeah. It's also a bit poetic as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So people are juggling that, and some people can manage that innately, um, and and they're gifted it's people. But you look at some writers who've put so much research, and all of that research then sort of comes out. Uh, 
Jock Sarong I interviewed not that long ago, uh, the settlement, and that's about um, the Manalangana and uh, what happened in Tassie. But he's done a lot of reading, and you can see it. And he's actually used some of the actual events in the telling of his story, but he's also then a trained lawyer. So there's a discipline in it as well. Mm. And so if you, if you started pulling it apart, you, you could start to follow some of these strands, but it's come together cohesively. And then you'd get an editor um, from the publishing house looking over something and saying, well, hang on, what does this mean? You understand it. I don't. What's going on here? And the author would have to go away and, and perhaps rework it to make mm. it make sense. Yeah. Do, do you think the form of writing is universal? Say, say you've got, obviously, you've got a Western type of uh, philosophical basis, then you've got an Asiatic, Middle Eastern, African. Do you think the form is, is like music? Is, you know, you've got certain beats which everybody responds to? What I'm about to say may be politically incorrect. That's okay. This is Radical Australia. We don't care. Okay. Because I think there are different cultural frames of thinking. So often, and I see this in some of the students I tutor, uh, the Asian train of thought, and again, um, I'm grossly generalising, but it circles around before coming to the point whereas the European model is, is often um, structured and linear, uh, and you can see it in the way the expectation for an academic essay and how it progresses. So behind it, and so that would be in some ways uh, for different cultural communities, different ways and frameworks of thinking. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And within that, you've got different genres and approaches and strategies yeah. and styles and expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Now, being an old retired gentleman who wears a cap and a coat, what are you doing to fill in your time apart from wasting your time at 3CR? Uh, I was talking to Kelly off air before about this. I do a, a research project at the Epworth Hospital. Oh, what, at Richmond or in Box Hill? Uh, Richmond. Mm-hmm. And we're using creative writing as a form of reflective practice amongst the second-year medical students at the moment. My God, that's radical. That is those, ra- those lads and lasses should be doing anatomy like I was. Yeah. You know, s- sweating over an elderly, wizened body which you take a year to dissect yeah. and place the bits in formula. Yeah. What's happened? How what? come they let a mob like you in there, creative writing creative for medical writing. students? Yeah. What's uh, going on? What's, well, these uh, linear, scientific, rational, outcome-oriented, successful individuals are mm. trained to know the answer, are taught and expected to find the answer mm. and are assessed on whether they know the answer. That's right. Uh, and then I turn them 90 degrees to what they're doing. What and, are, you, and, are you a Socrates? <laughs> are you poisoning their mind? And, yeah, I poison their mind, basically. I give them, I, I play games with them, uh, little writing oh, games. Hopefully they're legal games. And <laughs> they are young. Um, basically, they discover another way of looking at something. So they, they turn sideways to what they're doing. Mm. And... I, if I can blow my own horn, we've just had our first research paper published this year mm-hmm. in the Journal of Medical Humanities, so we're cock-a-hoop about that. But what we've discovered is that where they're collegiate, and so I'm going to miss the lecture, can you take the notes yet? Yeah, not a problem. 
they will not actually necessarily acknowledge doubt or uncertainty. And so they hold these emotions inside. So what we've discovered uh, are lines, because I get them to do a writing task, which ends up often in in poetic form, um, and then we share that and talk about it, and then I just get them to write a paragraph about what they've made of the exercise. And we've had lines like, it's so reassuring to know others are feeling the same way. Mm. The word comforting was yes. used this it's year. It's understandable, yes. And these guys are stressed. It's a very brutal process. And it's I a brutal assure. process. Br- brutal. Uh, but that sheer fact that they discover that others are feeling the same way, it's not just them. You, you realise you're being manipulated by the um, medical establishment because you've now become a canary chaser. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Down the coal mine. No, 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 no. In medicine, there's sparrows and canaries. Okay, sparrows yeah. occur commonly and you just look at facts and figures. Yeah. There are diagnoses which are exceptionally difficult yeah. and rare and these are the canaries and these are the ones that usually go wrong. So what you're actually doing is you're actually developing parts of their intellect mm. which gives them the capacity to look beyond yeah. what the facts and figures are. Well, to look at the patient, bedside manner. Yeah, well, more than bedside manner, to actually look beyond what mm. you expect because when you're a doctor, you get blasé over time because you think you've seen it all. But you haven't, And I've, yeah. I've been a doctor 47 years. I haven't seen it all and I get surprised every year. And, yeah. and if you don't think laterally... Mm. Outside the clinical box, yeah. you'll miss the diagnosis, yeah. and it's terrible for the patient. Yeah, um, and to see the whole person, to see what yeah. else so is you, possible. So you're doing actually something. I, I agree with very positive. Very yeah. Oh, look, it's yeah. it's it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I think it's some of the the well, it's putting my work as a teacher mm. to real practical use. What I used to do in mm. the classroom. How do they find you? How sorry? How did they? How did it work? Find you? Did you, oh. or did you knock on their door and say, look? No, I'm, no. Um, mate of mine, uh, associate professor. Ah, nepotism. Martin. Okay, nepotism. Yep, yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Martin Richardson. Um, yep. And Fra- look, this is live to wear. Hopefully, you're not going to say anything rude about it. No, him. no, no, no. no. <laughs> He's also a friend of Jan Goldsmith's. Oh, right. And we'd all been doing amateur theatre. Mm. And anyway, I used to drop in on Martin on my way over here at mm. the Epworth, and the Epworth were taking on students at the time, uh, and they were looking at variations on the theme in terms of. Uh, being an educational provider. Mm. And so Martin was interested in education. We talked about this as a a possibility. Mm. And so we trialled it um, with the uh, MD2 students Mm. and the results were surprising Mm. uh, and it shocked uh, the surgeons and doctors (laughs) amongst other people. It wouldn't wouldn't have shocked the physicians. Maybe maybe the barbers it would have shocked the the interesting. I showed uh, one of these little exercises to Uh. to Martin at one stage where I collect all the phrases Mm. used by the surgeons. Mm. Don't stand here. Put your mask on. That's right. And 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 when you get them and gather them, in in, uh, in compress them, yep. and all of a sudden you become aware, given the way it's composed, and you can repeat lines and all mm. sorts of things, mm. of just how the surgeons are coming across. Do they actually, do the surgeons see themselves and how they're coming across to others? Do the students see how they are being treated as, as you know, dirt? 
etc. And I showed one of these to Martin and he was surprised. And he actually showed it to some of his fellow surgeons. This is the mm. way we're coming well, along. Well, every profession has its bastardisation processes. Yeah. So we've only got a few minutes left. Mm. Two. Two, Kelly. Mm. We could have gone on for another hour. This man is so erudite, so intelligent. He's theatrical. <laughs> <laughs> so... Why must the show go on? Yeah, yeah. So, um, any theatre productions <laughs> for us? Well, hang on. What, where are you doing for the next hour? No, no, no. The next theatre production you're doing. On the, not the next... I'm not doing that much theatre these days. Mm. Uh, sort of the, the bottom fell out during the pandemic. Mm. Um, the last one I did was um, Quartet, which is for aged people in a care facility for retired <laughs> opera singers um my only claim to fame really i once played and one here we go blowing my own horn won a best actor award from the victorian amateur drama league for mm. my portrayal of frank in educating rita now those oh. that know educating rita frank was a disillusioned and drunk english teacher yes. and the reason i won the award I wasn't acting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that uh, self-deprecating note, (laughs) thank you very much, David. It's a pleasure being talking to you. And uh, Kelly is going to put up all the information. You, like me, we're dinosaurs. We all have intelligent assistants and partners (laughs) in the world. And she will make you look like... A hero. Oh, thank you very much, yeah. Kelly. Thank you very much, thank, Joe. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for your patience listening to two hours. Pleasure, our pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and where's that red bottle of red wine? We're we getting that now. Uh, look, uh, I usually see you on Wednesday, <laughs> on Thursday at eleven o'clock, <laughs> just before your program, which comes on at eleven thirty, I think, or twelve. Yes, eleven thirty. Eleven thirty yeah. on when on Thursday. Yeah. And I will be bringing you a <laughs> bottle of red wine that's over 20 years old. Oh, boy. Sounds fantastic. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.